Good morning, church. As we continue with worship, uh, I invite you to pray with me. Father in heaven, Lord, we ask that your spirit would go into every home, across the airwaves, Lord, to every person that is within earshot of this, Lord. I pray, Lord, that as people listen to this word from you, uh, that we would be touched and uh, moved beyond what we could ever imagine because of your wonderful ways and your amazing healing power. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, as most of you know, this past weekend, Christianity celebrated arguably the most important event in the history of the human race. Our Lord's redemptive death on the cross and his resurrection from the grave. The cross was not some unfortunate tragedy. It was orchestrated from the beginning of time when sin and disobedience separated us from God in the midst of defiance while the taste of the forbidden fruit was still on their lips. God sought to restore hope. The promise of the crushed serpent, the spotless lamb, sacrificed, reminder of salvation to come, the Messiah to come one day, blood on the doorpost, a people rescued from slavery, raised to proclaim, yet unsure, unfaithful, fearful, silent, the chosen, frozen, paralyzed, until the fullness of the time, as the Bible says. And on a cold winter night in Bethlehem, in a broken down barn, surrounded by shepherds, Mary and Joseph were there with their brand new baby boy, a star, angelic host reigniting the proclamation of the King of Kings, Wise men from the East had come to celebrate this moment. An insecure leader ordering the death of innocent children. And Jesus is on the run. Refugee, carpenter, healer, rabbi, criminal. And then that Thursday night, eternity in the balance. There was so much turmoil, so much sadness the candle of light flickered, but Jesus never wavered. The world hinged and trembled as Jesus prayed that Thursday night before the cross, Jesus carrying the burden. The fate of the whole human race trembled in the balance, the cry of a lost, confused, and fearful planet echoing in his ears on that Thursday night. The cry of a lost, confused, and fearful planet continually echoing and echoing and echoing as he sweats drops of blood, seeking clarity to know what God's will is, what his Father's will is at that moment. And then he stands tall and he heads for the cross. And he hangs on the cross for you and for me. And the borrowed grave... And as we talked about last week, the stone rolled away, darkness defeated. 
I love that story. I love the story of redemption. I love the fact that God orchestrated that from the very beginning. And knowing from the beginning that what his fate would be, Jesus prepared his last will and testament. And it must not have been too long before that night, Jesus wrote his will out. His body, he bequeathed to Joseph to put in that borrowed grave. His clothes fell to the soldiers as they uh, gambled for it. His mother he left to the care of John. But what should he leave his disciples? After all, they had left everything for him. In fact, church, what would he leave us? His bride. Those of us who have not seen and yet believe. I believe there are three things that Jesus left for us so that we could continue strong no matter what happens. And that first thing that he left for us is the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 14, verses 16 and 17, it says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. And then he calls him the Spirit of Truth. I'm going to leave the Spirit of Truth with you. A little later he says, I will not leave you orphans. I'm going to leave that for you. And then in Ephesians chapter 1, 13 through 15, the Apostle Paul, trying to help us understand what this meant, he says, and you also were included in Christ. You also, that's us, were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked for him with a seal, the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteed. Are you catching this? Who is a deposit guaranteed, guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Amen? I love that. I love that. The Holy Spirit being the guarantee of our inheritance. Jesus leaves that with us. He says, look, I'm coming back. I'm going to guarantee that by leaving you the Holy Spirit. Now, uh, have you ever gotten a greeting card in the mail? I love that. And you get a card from somebody. And the first thing that comes to my mind, especially when it's handwritten, the first thing that comes to my mind is this whole idea that, wow, somebody is, 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 is thinking of me. And, and, and they write this beautiful note. In fact, in the past few weeks, Nancy and I have received many of these cards. And it's just been such a wonderful thing for us when we receive our card like that. Sometimes, and I know you've experienced this, sometimes you get a card with a beautiful note. And inside the card, there's another card. It's a gift card. It's got something else with the card. Now that is really cool because that's extra special. Not only do you get the card, but now you got something to spend, something to do with it, some kind of gift that goes with it. And when the Holy Spirit came, he was just the card, but with the card, he came with gifts. That's what the Bible says. In fact, with the Spirit guiding us to truth, he comes with gifts and a fruit basket. That's what the Bible says. Let me give you that first verse in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. It says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. Can I tell you something? Until I met Jesus Christ, you would never have guessed that I would speak 
in front of an audience, let alone in front of a camera. You would never have thought that. What has happened? Well, it isn't of me. It's of the Holy Spirit. It's God. I don't know how he does it, but he's amazing. Most people that knew me in high school, they would never imagine in a million years that I would be the kind of person that would speak to hundreds, sometimes thousands of people. Never, ever. I would have never imagined. I'm an introvert, but yet the gift of the Spirit just shines through. And it says that, that he gave this to equip his people for work of service. So that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. The gifts of the Spirit to equip the church so that you and I, Richland Church, can accept, can serve, and can love. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? So you and I can help people know that Jesus can enrich their lives beyond their imagination. It is only through these gifts. Have you asked God to reveal to you his spiritual gift for you? I mean, what good is a gift? If I gave you a gift, I had a friend come by yesterday, and he came over, he had his mask on, and knocks on the door. I opened the door, and he's got a gift for me. He's got this bag. I know exactly what's in that gift. And I, 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 I take the bag and I bring it home. I bring it inside. I thank him and couldn't even hug him. I couldn't even shake his hand. Just a smile. We didn't even know if he could see me smiling because I had the mask on. He had the mask on. But he knew. He knew because he knows me. But suppose I took that bag and I brought it inside the kitchen and I said, look, Nancy, look at this. This is food that a friend has brought us. And Nancy would be like, great, let's use it, let's eat it. And I would say, oh, no, 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 no. No, 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 don't touch the bag. That's my gift. And let's suppose I would never open that gift, and I would leave it there on the table. And one day, when this is all over, my friend comes to visit me. And I say, hey, guess what? Guess what? I still have the bag. And my friend would look at me like a little bit puzzled, like, what bag? Well, the bag with the food that you brought to me a few months ago, remember? Yeah. Look, look, I haven't touched it. I haven't opened it. I would assume that my friend would be very furious because he wanted me to use that gift. He wanted me to enjoy that gift, not just leave it in the gift box or the gift bag. Some of us have been given gifts by the Holy Spirit and we still have them somehow in our gift box unopened on some shelf. And God is saying, look, you've got to open the gift. Have you asked God to help you open that gift? Have you asked God to help you so that you can use that gift to further the wonderful news of the kingdom of God? In Galatians chapter 5, Verses 22 through 25, and here comes the fruit basket. It says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, it's joy, it's peace, it's forbearance, it's kindness and it's goodness, it's faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus 
have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep step with the Spirit. By doing what? By using those fruits. Now, this fruit basket is the true litmus test of Christian maturity. The fruit of the Spirit is how we gauge holiness. Now, listen to what I'm saying here. This is important. You may not have realized this, but when you gave your life to Jesus, all the fruit of the Spirit were planted inside you in seed form. And all we need to do for it to grow, for those fruits to ripen in our lives, is for us to cultivate them. Notice what the fruits are not. There's no fruit of wealth. There's no fruit of success. There's no fruit of fame. Not even morally or behaviorally driven fruits. So many people think that that's what it means to live by the Spirit. It's to be morally right. There's nothing wrong with being morally right. But God doesn't want us to be moral. He wants us to be holy. How often we think that the fruits of the Spirit or the gifts of the Spirit or being holy means how many devotions we've had or what morals I have or what I wear or what I say. But that's not what this is saying. It's not about what, but rather how we experience the relationship with God and with our neighbors and those around us. The fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, forbearance, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These, these are, are, are ways that we get to interpret the way God loves through us. One of the things I always like to find, ask my church as I am contemplating whether my church is growing is not how many more do we have in the church, but are we more patient with each other than we were last year? Are we... Uh, more in control of the direction of our lives, more in control of our temper, of our appetite, of crippling habits, of our pride than we were last year? Does goodness flow naturally from us more than it did last year? Do those closest to us seem more gentle and understanding and kind than they were last year? Are we more faithful than we were last year? See, these are the things that I believe show that we have opened and have cultivated the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now the second thing that Jesus left us is this wonderful thing called the hope of eternal life. So not only do we get to have these wonderful gifts that guarantee us that he's coming back and that we get to go home, but now he gives us also this thing called hope and this thing called eternal life. In Titus, yeah, Titus, I know, it's one of those letters that you hardly ever find in the Bible. Some of you are sitting there going, there is actually a letter called Titus? Yes, there is. It's a small little one. It's towards the end of the Bible. And in Titus chapter 3, actually has more than one chapter. Chapter 3, beginning with verse 4 through verse 7, it says this, but when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Now catch this. Not because of righteousness or righteous things that we have done, but because of his Say it with me. Mercy. Yes, even in your pajamas. Come on, say it with me. Because of his mercy, he saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. 
whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of what? Yes, the hope of eternal life. And that hope is more than just, like, I hope so. No, we've been studying for weeks and weeks and weeks that faith is the substance of things hoped for, substance. It is the confidence of things not seen. So even though we are hoping for that eternal life, it doesn't mean that we don't have it. We already have it. It just means that it hasn't materialized yet. But all of us have that. That is a gift that God has given us. And in case we didn't understand that, in case we were still struggling with that, the Apostle John in one of his letters towards the end also says, in 1 John chapter 5, 11 and 12, it says, And this is the testimony. This is the testimony. This is the will and testimony of God. God has given us eternal life. Not, not will one day give us eternal life, but what? Has given us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. That's simple math. I can even do that kind of math. If you have the Son, you have life. If you do not have the Son, you do not have life. What a blunder it would be to walk away from this talk and not asking God, the Son, to be part of your life. Because if you do, here's the promise. Not only will you have gifts from the Holy Spirit, not only will you have the fruits of the Spirit, but you will have something called eternal life. You have this wonderful, wonderful gift that God has given us. And then finally, the third one, and this is the one that I really feel like is the most important for us right now, because eternal life is a wonderful thing to have, and, and those of us who know we have it, it's fantastic. But it still feels like in the midst of all this craziness that it's so far away from us. And the gifts of the Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit, that's a wonderful thing, and I'm thankful for that. But right now, what we need is something called peace. Do you have the peace that Christ has to give us? Listen to what he says in John chapter 14, verse 27. And he's very specific here. He says, peace, I leave with you. My peace... I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Did you catch that? I don't give peace like the world gives. This is not some temporary band-aid. The peace I give you lasts forever. The peace I give you will help you through the craziest storms of life. The world, the whole world right now is in turmoil is in fear. It is filled with anxiety. It doesn't matter what country you're from, you're dealing with the global pandemic. And the news, when you turn it on, and I try less and less to turn it on these days, is filled with economic uncertainty, corruption on the rise. Don't forget the unquenchable fires in Australia, California, natural disasters. I had a friend of mine uh, call me just the other night, late at night. And while they're going through the pandemic, 
they had a tornado go right through their, their whole neighborhood. And people lost everything, all their houses, and some have lost their lives. Not only have to deal with the pandemic, but now you've got to deal with the tornado. I have friends that are not only dealing with the pandemic, but now I have to deal with cancer. I mean, what is this world coming to? Anxiety and turmoil. Indulge my imagination for a moment here. What if visitors from another planet would come and we would ask them to to describe planet Earth as it is right now? I guarantee you the word peace would not be in any of the explanations. It would not be on the list at all of what this Earth is like. In fact, they would probably say this, this, this world is filled with fear and anxiety. But there is a group. They call themselves Christians. And they serve the living God. And there's something about them. They have something called peace. And it's supernatural. In a world full of trouble and confusion, in a world constant of constant atmosphere and expected crisis. Christ's legacy to us is a harvest of peace. Peace that exists not in the absence of peril, but in the presence of God. Peace that passes understanding. The kind of peace that stills the inner voice of apprehension, of failure, of fear, of suspicion, of resentment. Still is the inner voice in us that says we will never amount to anything because we know we will because we have the gifts and the fruits of the Spirit. Peace of a quiet conscience. Peace of a restful mind because we know we have eternal life. Peace of a surrendered will. Unpretentious confidence because we know it comes from Jesus. Peace in the eye of the storm. There's a story in the Bible. It's found in Mark. And the story is about Jesus telling his disciples to get in the boat and go to the other side of the lake. And he knows as he's going there that he's going to be coming face to face with a demon-possessed man who's been terrorizing his community. So Jesus gets in the boat, he gets a pillow, and he begins to fall asleep on the stern of the boat. And while they're going, the Bible says that there was a storm that came. He calls it a furious storm. It must have been really bad. And the disciples wake up Jesus, and they say to him, Jesus, wake up. And then they say, don't you care about us? I don't know about you, but I felt that way sometimes. In the midst of my storms in my life, there's been times even now, and I'm a pretty positive guy, but there's been times when I thought, well, God, are you, are you paying attention here? Don't you care? I know some of you feel this way right now. Jesus wakes up, and as calm as he could be, wakes up, stands up, and he commands the wind and the waves, and he says, quiet, be still. Maybe that's what God's trying to do for us right now. He's given us an opportunity to be quiet and to be still because we are addicted 
to noise, and we are addicted to forever moving faster and faster and faster. Maybe God's saying, look, I'm going to use this terrible crisis to help you be quiet and to help you be still. The disciples are so amazed by what happens. There are other boats around, the Bible says. They're all sitting there going, what just happened? And the disciples say this, who is this man? That's the question they ask. Who is this man? I'll tell you who he is. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the King of Kings. He is the Jesus who came, died on the cross, resurrected, and is coming back for us one day soon. I cannot wait. While all around us is chaos, turbulence, whirlwind wind, and spinning world, Jesus leaves us perfect peace. In fact, Isaiah puts it this way. You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Is your mind on God these days? If you're lacking this peace, maybe it's because we're not spending quality time. Notice I didn't say quantity time. Quality time with God. Some of us think we just need to read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. I've had people come up to me, I've read it six times over. Oh, that's wonderful. But I don't care how many times you read the Bible through. What I care about is if you could read one verse and in that verse experience the eternal one. In that verse experience the peace that passes understanding. There's a famous psalm that everybody knows. It's Psalm 23 and I want to end it with this wonderful expression of the supernatural peace that God wants to give us. And it goes like this. The Lord is my shepherd. And you guys out there on your homes, you could, you could repeat the psalm with me. The Lord is my shepherd. That is peace that comes from our relationship with him. I shall not want. That is peace that comes from knowing that all our needs are supplied. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. That is peace that promises rest. He leads me besides still waters. That is peace that promises refreshment. He restores my soul. That is peace that promises healing. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. That is peace that promises assurance of salvation. For his name's sake, that is peace that promises the ultimate purpose. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that is peace, peace that promises protection. I will fear no evil. That is peace that promises power. For you are with me. That is peace that promises God's faithfulness to us. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That is peace. Peace that promises is forever guidance. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. That is peace that promises victory and celebration and joy. And the day that one day, that moment when we will all be able to meet again and embrace each other and celebrate. You anoint my head with oil. That is peace that promises blessings. My cup runs over. That is peace that promises abundance. Surely, 
goodness, and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. That is peace that promises encouragement and support. Are you feeling that peace? And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Peace that promises inheritance of the kingdom of God forever. Peace that promises eternity. Do you have that peace? Why not grab a hold of Jesus? Ask him into your life if you've never asked him. Ask him. I'm going to pray right now. And as I pray, you could, wherever you are, just, just repeat after me and ask Jesus to come into your life. Ask Jesus to be part of you, to, to give you the Holy Spirit, to give you that promised eternity. And right now, when we need it most, to give you that peace. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for the peace that you promise us. Thank you, Lord, that it's not some band-aid. Thank you, Lord, that it is a peace that truly lasts. Father, I know there are some that may be hearing this sermon who have never given their lives to you. Son of God, Jesus, and Holy Spirit, would you reach down deep within the crevices of their hearts and help them, Lord, to realize what a wonderful gift you want to give them. I pray, Father, that they would recognize that while we were yet sinners, you came to save for us. And I pray, Father, that, that as we recognize your saving grace in our lives, that we would experience your awesome presence, your amazing Holy Spirit, and the peace that passes understanding. I pray, Father, that as people have prayed this prayer in their hearts right now, that they will supernaturally experience that peace. Lord, we desperately need it. And I want to thank you in advance for that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, church. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. We look forward to seeing you guys next week. God bless.